this father I offer you tonight my eyes my ears my heart and my mind and I boldly declare that tonight I will receive your word and I'll be changed by your word tonight changed in Jesus name if you believe that find one or two people tell yourself I'm gonna be changed by the word of God tonight Amen. Thank you so much for coming out tonight. My voice sounds a little nasalized. I've been fighting a little cold. And I mean fighting. Fighting. You know, Pastor Jim, after service on Sunday, we had a great service on Sunday. And, you know, you're usually tired. My friends usually go home, take a nap, or they refresh. Now, Pastor Jim, I'll go out and cut grass or whatever. So I decided to uh, burn a lot of brush that we had there and little voice inside is talking to me, don't stand in the smoke. Don't stand in the smoke. No, I don't listen. And then to top it off, I said, Judy, bring some goodies home and ate like two packages of cream-filled chocolate-covered cupcakes. So sugar and that, and then the next day I started feeling it, so I've been battling it. But my fault, but in Jesus' name, I'm getting better day by day. Amen? A couple announcements to make you aware. Use like Wednesday night crew gets the stuff up front first that going to be making some changes uh, within the church and stuff, so be advised that um, it doesn't seem to be affecting anybody tonight, but in the very near future, probably next week, we're going to start roping off that far section and that far section and kind of bringing you guys a little bit closer uh, because, you know, our ushers, it's kind of a far reach for them to be trying to get out there, whatever, so really appreciate it. If you're used to sitting out there, see you people out there sitting out there, you need to move in. Not you guys, those guys. Oh, you don't see them? <laughs> So thank you so much. And then on Sunday, just be aware of this. We're going to be announcing that uh, at 30 minutes after the service begins, we are locking the front doors. You can get out, but if you're coming in late, all you have to do is just stand at the door a minute. Somebody will see you. They'll let you in. Because in the past, everybody's in here, and uh, we don't know who comes wandering in, right? And it's in light of everything that's gone on, I don't want to operate in fear, but we want to use wisdom. So we, doors we can't cover, we just have to keep locked. So 30 minutes into the service, those front doors will be locked. You can get out. It's very easy to get out. But if you're running late, just please be patient with us. Somebody will be out there. They'll let you in. But we realize that somebody just can't come barging in because the doors will be locked. So that's going to be happening in a couple weeks. Everybody get it? That's for your safety, your precaution, our precaution, and just security. And always a recommendation of the police. They're, they're very kind to be here on Sunday for traffic control and they sit out there. That was their choice, and, and I just appreciate the fact that they're there. Amen? All right, put your hands out to me as we pray. Father, we believe in the name of Jesus that the words that I speak are from your heart through my lips to your people. Not, don't let one word fall to the ground. Let, let these be your words to us. Lord, as I studied and prayed over this, give it life. It's not my word. It's your word. And I thank you, Lord, to give you glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said, so I'm beginning a new series. And uh, I just realized I was telling Brian I'm going to begin a new series, and I probably won't be speaking again for at least three weeks because next week I'm going to be away, and Russell's going to be speaking. We have a guest worship leader with us. It's going to be really good. The next week would be Christmas Eve, Christmas Eve, Thanksgiving Eve service, and that's usually a family service. So all the kids will be up here, and uh, what we do is we do great worship. That Boy, if there's a day to come to church, it's Thanksgiving. Who are we giving thanks to? Not the turkey. We're here to give thanks to God. So if you can make it out that Wednesday, it's two weeks from, believe it or not, it's two weeks from tonight, 
Uh, we're going to have worship and praise. We're going to receive communion. And then we're going to uh, go out and uh, somebody, Rachel, uh, Russell's wife, is going to be baking her famous cheesecake and some pies. And so we're going to go and have some fellowship, free eats. Amen? So come on up, Nate. It's, a, it's our time to say Thanksgiving. And then the following weekend, uh, uh, Brian normally would be speaking, but he asked to do, what we, Brian, not see him here, draw, draw near. Drawing near or draw near? So when you hear a draw near service, that means it's going to be all worship. And so on the 29th of November, it's going to be all worship night, and it's going to be great. Uh, you know, we still do announcements. We still do the offering, but it's going to be an all worship night. So I'm looking forward to that. So the next three weeks, it's going to be really, really exciting. So I'm going to start with this series, but I'm going to probably do a pretty extensive view in a couple more weeks after we begin. Amen? So probably one of the most asked questions that I receive as a pastor from Christians who want to please God is this. How do I know the mind and the will of God? How many want to know the mind and the will of God and everything that we do? Now, if you've been a pastor as long as I've been pastor, I've been involved in ministry about 35 years. I've been pastoring here 29 years going on 29 years, and I realize that there's this thing called cyclical teaching. A lot of young pastors don't like that. And if I find a subject that I believe the Spirit of God wants me to speak on, I say, I just spoke on that. And I go back on my notes, and it was anywhere from 5 to 15 years ago. So it's necessary to go back. So this is one of those subjects, knowing the mind and will of God for your life. Um, sometimes when I think I need to teach on that subject, I say, eh, but no, we're going to teach on this because I believe it needs to be taught. So this subject is one of those topics that needs to be taught on a regular basis because I'm answering the question, how do I know the mind and will of God? When the little decisions and big decisions, whether to take a job, whether I should keep on with this relationship, whether I should do this or do that, every day should be you surrendering to the mind, will, and purpose of God. And so how do I know the mind and the will of God when it comes to decision-making. And so there's such a misunderstanding concerning the mind and will of God. And over the last few years, we've seen some pretty horrific things take place in our country, hurricanes and uh, earthquakes and all kinds of forest fires and, and, and you know, all these things. And, and you say, well, is this God's judgment? Is this the will of God? Is this God punishing America? Does he want us to wake up? Well, if you knew the mind, will, and purpose of God, you'd know the answer to that. The bottom line is this. Can you, can I know the mind and will of God? And the answer is absolutely yes. One time I was listening to a Christian radio station, and I normally didn't like to do that because they seemed to contradict one another, but I heard this teacher say, we can never know what God's going to do. You ever hear somebody say that? You never know what God's going to do. And, and, the saying, it's a world saying. I don't think it's in the Word of God. It says, the Lord works in mysterious, mysterious ways his wonders to behold. I don't know. Where is this found in the Bible? I, I haven't found it yet. If it's there, you need to let me know. In other words, we, you know, people talk about the, um, the, the supreme uh, will and mind and purpose of God, that God is sovereign, that God can do anything he wants. But God says in his Word, that I lift my word of above my name. God keeps his word. Maybe we don't. Maybe some other people don't. But when God says something, he's going to do it. Amen? Say that. When God says something, he's going to do it. So the unrenewed Christian would say, I have not seen, and this is scripture, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man 
the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. That's 1 Corinthians 2, 9. That sounds like a good scripture, right? God loves me, has great things prepared for me. But you don't know the will of God. You don't know the mind of God. And what you may think is bad, God may think is good. But I want to just bring you back to your normal brain and humanity. If you were abusing your child, if your child wasn't being obedient to you, what would you do? Would you break their arm? Would you give them cancer? Would you give them a tumor? Would you make them languishing with sickness and disease as because God just gets his jollies in that? And let me tell you something. Without me even going to church, which was wrong, I've got to know God to a point. I need to go to church. And I found out the will and mind of God is not for our harm, but for our good. And then people say, well, you never know what good is in God's eyes and what's good in our eyes. Listen, God has put an understanding of good and bad in all of us. We know it's wrong to hurt another person. Amen? We know it's wrong to punish people just for our jollies. Amen? And that's not the way God is. In fact, listen to this. And, or, or, or Christians may quote these scriptures, Isaiah 55, 8, 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now, that's, these are scriptures that are real, but they're taken out of context. We're going to look at what they really mean, because it sounds like God knows a lot more than you do, and so if something bad's happening to you, it's probably God. Well, not if you t study the whole scripture in context, because it sounds real religious, but in reality, it's pretty stupid. It gives the unbelievers and weak Christians an excuse for things that are going wrong in their lives, blaming God because God knows what's best for me. Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you we're not going to have problems. We're not going to have challenges. I don't like sickness and disease. I preach against it, but I, too, get attacked with it. But this is what warfare is all about. When I come under attack, I start to use the weapons that God has given me to overcome this, and it's a battle. Now, is it possible that my problems could be caused by my laziness or my ignorance? Yeah. Is it possible that my problems could be because of my lack of obedience or discipline to God's word? Maybe. If you have your Bibles, I want to show you something in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. How many believe the Word of God? Let me start from the beginning. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you. How many would like to have grace and peace multiplied unto you? This is Peter talking. He's saying, I want grace and peace to be multiplied unto you, but here's how it comes, through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. It comes, grace and peace can be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Verse 3, according as his divine power has given unto us, how many things? All things that pertain unto life. That's the Zoe, the God kind of life. Good life. God has given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the, here it is again, through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. God has called you to glory and virtue. Say that. God's called me to what? Glory and virtue. And he's given you everything that pertains to this life. He hasn't left you alone on this earth. 
Sure, we're going to face some tough things, but he's giving you weapons. He's giving you prayers. He's giving you his word. He's giving you the ability to overcome. It says we are overcomers. It says we are more than victorious. But you can't have victory if you're not in a battle. You can't become the number one football team if you don't defeat everybody else. We're in a warfare. But God has given you everything that pertains to life and godliness. Let me read on. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. Let me say promises. Now, when somebody tell, says they have a promise or I have, there's great promises, what are you thinking about? Good things. Good things. In fact, I was reading my Bible today. How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Oh, I don't like that guy on TV. All he does is talk about positive things. Well, his feet are blessed because he's preaching the gospel of peace. And what else is he doing? He's bringing glad tidings of good things, not doom and gloom, not fear, not distrust, good things. So it's telling me here that God has given us exceeding great and precious promises. That by these, what these? The promises, you may be partakers of the divine nature. In other words, you're living according to the mind, will, and purpose of God, the way God wants you to live, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So God has given you everything that you need in this life to live the life that God wants us to live. Now, so, but here's the key. We've been given everything we need, and I'll quote, through the knowledge of him. If you don't know him, you don't know the promises. If you don't know the word, you don't know what's in there. This is a testament, two testaments, old and new. Another word for testament is will. This is God's will. I don't know God's will. Open it up and read it. I did a whole series one Sunday, if you guys were here, a few years back, and I had a big sign out there that said, you have been named beneficiary in this will. Can you imagine you get a phone call, and it's an attorney, and he says to you, and you don't pick it up because you don't recognize the number, and that's what I do. I don't pick it up, but they leave you a message. just want to let you know, uh, Mr. Petro, you are the beneficiary uh, named in so-and-so's will. Now, what are you going to say? Uh, I don't know about you. I'm going to get all excited, especially if I know the person had money or something. I've been named in a will. And guess what? You're named in a will. You have been given exceeding great and precious promises according to this Bible. Well, it just sounds too good to be true. That's why it's called gospel, too good to be true. Good news. And I always say this, and, and some of you have heard it over and again, but I'm over and over again, but I'll make it real to you. When you write a will, and let's say you name, you name Joe in the will. And Joe, they're gonna, this person's going to leave you $100,000. When does Joe get that $100,000? No. When the person who dies, he gets the money. Why are Christians believing that they're going to get the promises, exceed gracious promises, when they die, when the will was written by Jesus and naming you the beneficiary. So when Jesus died, I am now the recipient of great and wonderful promises that he gives me that are outlined in the word of God, the name of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the word of God. 
peace, joy, contentment. They're all there. They're mine. Because Jesus said, I died for you. The chastisement for my peace was upon Jesus. And by his stripes, I am healed. What did I do? Nothing. I received what Jesus Christ has already done for me. And I've learned when I get sick, and this chest cold, I have to talk to my body constantly. Because you are a spirit living in a body. I had a theory. It's just a theory. Don't go misquote me or saying Jim's, Pastor Jim's losing it. When Adam and Eve were created, I'm going way off on a tangent. When Adam and Eve were created, they were spirit. They were given, I'm saying, a body was created, and it says that God breathed his spirit into them. So your spirit's living in a body. And God said, I'm going to place you into this Garden of Eden, and I want you to keep it and guard it. Now, you know, they're not cultivating hoes and weeding it and stuff like that, but I started thinking about this way. If my body, my body's like a Garden of Eden, and I'm in it. And God says, I want you to keep it, which means defend it. Take care of it. Eat right. Sleep enough. Do whatever you need to do to keep yourself as healthy as you can. And guard it. Because the enemy, as a roaring lion, roams about seeking he may, whom he may devour. So when people say to me, like we talked today, there's a stomach virus going around. Yeah, it's going around me. But if I don't keep my body, if I don't get to sleep and do what I'm supposed to do, like I did something stupid, standing in smoke, breathing smoke, after I preached and my, my voice was hoarse to begin with, I could feel it in my lungs. And the Spirit of God said, get out of the smoke. And I said, you know, that, that must be the dog talking to me or something. <clears throat> it smells good. But I should keep the body, and I should guard it against the enemy. And, and when I get attacked by the enemy, I've been given weapons. Now, that's my theory. Take care of your garden. Amen? So we read here that we have everything given to us, but it only comes to you through the knowledge of him. If you don't read the book, you don't know. If you don't know Jesus, you don't know who he is, which tells me I have the, I have the benefit and responsibility of knowing the mind and will of God. It's my choice. It's right there for me, according to what I've read here. Now, let's take an example. Let's take our workplace, where there are no employee policy manuals or no rules or no guidelines. I can't expect anyone to be held accountable because people can't obey what they don't know. Right? That's why I tell people when we have ministries and we write down the guidelines. This is what's required to be in the music ministry. This is what's required to be an usher. This is what's required to be altar work or whatever. We write that down. And then when somebody starts, you know, not doing what they're supposed to be doing, you don't have to throw a hissy fit. You just show them the paper. You show them the book. You show them the rules. You show them the policy manual. We have a policy manual. I wrote it years ago. And the employees know that this is the amount of days we have off. These are their personal days. This is vacation. This is, they know this is it. Don't come to me and ask for something that's not in their book. Did you read the manual? Because if, you know if you know what it says, then you will obey it. But if you don't know what it says, and we don't have an excuse, folks, because we got this book written in every translation. You can get it online. You can get it on Facebook. You can get it on uh, uh, streaming. You can get, you could go on and do our uh, 
uh, uh, what do you call it, iPod pod or whatever. You can listen, iCat, I, what do they call it, Brian? Podcasts. So you how much I do listen to podcasts. I don't even know the names of the stuff. But it's constantly, we went to a conference, we went to a conference Saturday, and here's a new thing. Brother Bobby Yandian, great pastor on the road, has, I think it was 800 messages. He taught every book of the blink in the New Testament on a flash drive this big. We bought them, didn't we, Frank? They're expensive. Well, I want that. On this little tiny thing. We have no excuse. If you don't read the book, you don't know what the exceeding great and precious promises are. And we have no excuse. But they're there. Now, if you have rules and regulations, the key is that you need to communicate that knowledge because the communication of that knowledge is the key to obedience. When I preach here on Sunday, and every pastor, if he's seeking God, is going to get a message that's tailored to his flock which is why it upsets me when, you know, if you read a novel and you read the first chapter and you throw the four pages out in the next chapter and you don't read the next chapter and then you, oh, that book was boring. I didn't know what it said because you didn't read it. You, didn't, you weren't consistent. So as a pastor, and I get a series of messages and someone's here one week and then they disappear for two weeks and then they come one week and I don't understand why this is going wrong in my life. And, uh, you know, and then they ask me questions like, I just answered that question Sunday. Where were you? That's why when we counsel people, we tell them, you can come before service or after service, but you will sit in service because your question may be answered. Because I know this boy's praying, Lord, what do you want me to preach to your people today? Not what's popular. What do you want me to preach? Because apparently it's what you need to hear. And the sad thing is, I know, especially on Sunday when we have empty seats, that those people, whoever, whatever they're doing, is a lower priority than being in the house of God, and they missed what God wanted to give them that day. And what's your excuse going to be? Well, sports and this and blah, blah. You know something? No excuse. God has always designed a day in the week for the people of God to gather together and receive the teaching. So we need to know through the knowledge of him. So I can't obey what I don't know. And the example is a speed limit sign communicates a rule that needs to be obeyed. Do you know, I shouldn't tell you this, but there are, <laughs> my brother-in-law was, a, my ex-brother-in-law was an attorney, my, my, my late wife's brother, brother-in-law was an attorney, and he told me <coughs> he would handle a lot of traffic cases, and he told me that if there were not three lights facing you, you were not responsible if you went through that red light. Look at him. Sometimes there's an overhead, I don't know about Pennsylvania, it's New Jersey, there's an overhead light, there's a light here, and there's a light here, three lights. If there are two lights, you're off. If, if the road is imposted with a speed limit, well, officer, I didn't know what the speed limit was. Then he takes your hand, walks down 50 feet, and shows you speed limit 35, and you were doing 70. You don't have an excuse. Why? Because it's posted. The Bible is God's knowledge posted. His will and his mind is exposed through the word of God. Trust also comes from knowledge. A lot of Christians don't trust God because you just never know. I hate this teaching, the sovereignty of God. God can do whatever God wants to do. God follows his word. If he says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, when you feel lonely, like, oh, God went on vacation because I was bad, that's not true. It doesn't say, I will never leave you nor forsake you if you're good. 
or bad. He says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. If you didn't know that, when you start feeling lonely, you get in the Word of God say, the Word of God says that God will never leave me nor forsake me. Even when I'm doing something wrong, God's still there to help me. He's an ever-present help in time of trouble. That's what the Word of God says. Amen? So how can you come to trust somebody if you don't get to know them? Why would God and how could God expect you to trust him without giving you the ability and the privilege of knowing him and his ways? How can you trust God? God says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. How can you trust a God that gets his jollies one day by doing something evil and then doing something good? That's not God. And who's ever teaching you that is absolutely, they don't know God at all. Because God's steady. I heard someone once say, is, I guess it was in the meeting, Bobby Annie was talking to that woman on a plane. He said, God is a God of order. Tomorrow morning, I don't care how much you pray or how you believe or what you think you're going to do, that sun's coming up. And that sun's going to go down. And like Bobby Indian said, it's so predictable, they can tell you 200 years from now when there's going to be an eclipse. Solar or lunar, they know. And they can go back and tell you. That's how precise God is. So God's not a wacko where he changes his mind. He's steady. He, 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 he wants to be a blesser of you. That's who he is. He's good. God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. Amen? Now, Proverbs chapter 2, I'm going to read verses 1 through 6. Did you notice, Joe, how Bobby Andy said he's going to get a nap made? Did you notice that, Brian? He's going to na- get a nap made. I said, hey, my wife said, that's your idea. An app made where I can hit my cell phone and it will play pages turning. So when I say uh, turn in your Bible to, I don't hear, I have a cricket app on my phone too, but I hear pages turning because you should read it in your Bible because you hear it and you see it, it's a double whammy in your brain, all right? Okay, Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear into wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry after knowledge and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hid treasure, then you will have understanding of the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom, and out of his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. You get it? If you seek for it, you'll find it. Because out of his mouth comes wisdom and knowledge. Now, where is God speaking to us? He could speak in an audible voice, but I'll be honest with you, I I think I've heard that twice. But he speaks to us through his word. Jesus and the word are one. If you want to get to know Jesus, get to know the word, because the word and Jesus are one. And knowledge and wisdom and understanding comes when you're hungry enough for it. Becomes Sunday, I, I can't let this thing about the Holy Spirit go because we had such a powerful move of God on Sunday that I can't let it go. And I think our title, would I come up with the title of You're Filled to be Spilled. And I'm going to show you what whether you know or not whether you actually did receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And it's not just praying in tongues. There's other signs, and I'm going to show you what they are on Sunday. But the bottom line is here, 
It says here that if we seek, there, there's a lot of things in the Word of God about being hungry and being thirsty, being tenacious, and, and wanting all that God has for you. And that's what he's saying. If you seek me, you'll find me. If you want to know knowledge, just look for it. If you want to know wisdom, look for it. It comes out of my mouth. It comes out of the mouth of God and the, and the prophets and the apostles that they wrote it down. This book wasn't written overnight. It's written for us and for our knowledge. So this is an invitation of God to know God, his will, and his mind. God is inviting you. Say he's inviting me. Now, why does James 1, 5 say, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that gives unto all men liberally without rebuke. Just ask. Just seek. Just knock. Ask and you shall receive. Knock. I mean, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock. It shall be open to you. That's Jesus speaking. Now, either you call him a liar and you don't believe him, or it's the truth. If I ask, I'll get an answer. But I'm going to have to seek, too. The Lord, just tell me what to do. What are you doing? I'm waiting on the Lord. Well, when you go to the diner and you wonder why you're not being served, because that waiter's standing there going, I'm waiting on you. You're supposed to be doing something. So when it says to ask, you ask, but then you seek. And what do you seek? In the Word. And then you keep knocking. Lord, what does this mean? I saw something Sunday. I'll share it with you. I never saw it before because I was asking. I'm seeking. I'm knocking. And God said, I'll answer you. And I'll open the door for you, and you'll understand. Amen? Now, with this in mind, that if we ask and we seek and we seek, God's going to give it to us, let's read what we read earlier in Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9. We read this earlier. because I'm going to show you how Christians can be ignorant when they read certain things, and they shouldn't be. All right? You ready? Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. Ready? To listen to this. My thoughts are not your thoughts, and neither are your ways my ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. See, we can't know the mind, will, and purpose of God. Oh, really? It's taken out of context. Because you would think, who could possibly know what God thinks and does? Now, this scripture alone would not produce trust in God. It would not produce, it would produce a misunderstanding and a mistrust and a fear because who can know the mind of God? And unfortunately, this is exactly what is in the hearts and minds of believers and unbelievers alike. In other words, who knows what trickery and tragedy God has up his sleeve tomorrow? Well, let's read the scriptures in the full context because I've heard Bozo say that for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your Did you read verse 7? Let the wicked forsake his ways and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy on him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. And now he says to the wicked, for my thoughts are above your thoughts. He's not talking to the believer. He's talking to wicked people. How can wicked people understand what I'm doing? You're not, you're not looking for the answers. And that's what people do that are ignorant. They pull scriptures out of context. Who's God speaking to here? The wicked. 
But to the ones who love God and desire to know his mind and will, we read in Proverbs 3, Proverbs 2, 3 through 5, if you cry after knowledge and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hid treasure, guess what? You're going to get the answer. Crying, lifting up your voice, seeking, searching, reveal a hard attitude towards God and his way. Lord, I want what you got for me. It's amazing that someone can be wrestling with something in their life and they're begging God for an answer and they'll go to a baseball game on a Sunday. And God has the answer for you right there. And someday we're going to stand for God and say, I was going to give the answer, but where the heck were you? Well, I couldn't you talk. I, listen, listen, I am so guilty of this. God have mercy. I used to say, I can worship God in the woods and on the golf course. I can worship God sitting on the couch in front of my television. If I don't like that guy, turn him off. I used to say, I can worship God in the woods. Well, what? That, there's no effort in that. God says, not forsake the assembling yourselves together. He's always established. It was either a tabernacle, it was a temple, now it's a church. You are to gather together, and you're to be taught the word of God, and you're to be submitted. And until I learned to do that, I didn't know who God was at all because God was directing me. Okay, you're in the woods. I'm telling you what. Just what I'm going to tell you in the woods. Go to church. Hmm. So the attitude where you're going to get answers to know the mind and will of God is going to come from diligence and discipline. And all this sounds like what Jesus told us to do in Matthew 6.33, isn't it? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's his righteous way. Seek ye, not second, not third. It's the top priority in your life as a believer is to seek God first. So how badly do you want to know God in his ways will determine how much of God in his ways you're going to get. You want a little, you get a little. You're crying out for more. Listen, Matthew 5, 6, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, God's ways, for they shall be filled. Filled with what? What will quench the hunger and the thirst? The knowledge of God, his mind, and his will. Because hungry, obedient children of God will be blessed with knowing God in his ways. Even Isaiah 55 starts out by saying, Lo, everyone that is thirsty, come. Remember Jesus with the women at the well? The woman at the well is drawing water in the heat of the day because she's, a, she's been married, what, five times? She's living with a guy. And Jesus, the water I give you, you'll never thirst again. Now, are we talking about drinking water? Is he addressing the thirst that's down inside of her? The desire to be loved and appreciated because she's been married five times. She's searching for something she can't get, but Jesus has the water that's going to quench that thirst. Every one of you down deep inside, there's something in you that God wants to quench. But you got to be hungry. you got to be thirsty, and he'll give it to you. Let's look at the character nature of our God revealed in Genesis 18. Way back in the beginning. Genesis 18, verse 1 and 2. And the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre. This is Abram. 
sat in the door tent in the heat of the day. This is Abram. And he lifted up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself toward the ground. He knew what they were. They knew who angels were back then. They knew who the Lord was. He knew. Right? Verse 16. And the men rose up from thence and looked toward Sodom. And Abraham entertained them. And Abraham went with them to bring them on the way. He showed them where to go. And the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham the thing which I do? Imagine that. The Lord's about to wipe out Sodom and Gomorrah. Nobody knows about it. But here's Abraham. He says, I'm going to tell him what I'm going to do. I don't know about you. I want to be like that. I want God to tell me what he's going to do. I want God to warn me when something bad is going to happen or that he's going to do something. And he will do that. Shall I hide from Abraham the thing that which I do? Listen, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed by him, for I know him. Remember I told you a scary scripture in the Bible, Matthew 7, 21? Lord, we did this and we did that and we did that. And the Lord said, depart from me, you that work iniquity. I never knew you. You did everything you thought you wanted to do. There's that lesson again we received from Bob Yandian. Arrogance versus confidence. I'm confident who I am. And you're just a scum of the earth and you're going to hell. That's not confidence, that's arrogance. I'm going to heaven because of Jesus. And you can go too. You can be blessed as I'm blessed because of him, not me. Arrogance is me, my, mine, I. When you see somebody, the Lord said something to me. He said, anything with more than one eye is a peacock. I, 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 I. I'm thinking, oh, my word, get out of yourself. You're nothing without Jesus. You're nothing without God. You don't know anything without God. And don't you ever judge anybody else because you're no better than anybody else. I'm not better than anybody else. I'm just doing what God's called me to do. Hopefully, God, I know God's called you to do something I know nothing about. That's why I'll call a plumber, and I'll call an electrician. I'm called to preach the word of God, not <laughs> Oh, man. God was willing to reveal to Abraham his mind and purposes. Hungry, obedient children of God will be blessed with knowing God in his ways. Amen. Amen. So let's read again this verse that this guy quoted on the radio. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. I'm sorry. Yeah, verses 9 through 12. Here we go. Oh, it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear hath heard, neither hath entered in the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. That sounds like a good thing, but what if God gets up on the wrong side of the bed one day? Who knows? In other words, I don't know what God's going to do today. I'm scared. What's this? But God has revealed them unto us by his spirit. When you have the Holy Spirit, God's going to reveal things to you. But God hath revealed them to us by his spirit, for the spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of a man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. When I have the spirit of God in me, that's God is in me. And the Spirit of God's going to tell me what God's thinking, what God's doing, because he loves me. And I'm, that's why you so need the Holy Spirit. He said, I'm going to send you another comforter. He will show you all things. He'll show you things to come. He'll lead you in all truth. The Holy Spirit is God in you. I'm going to find a scripture and show people. They say, well, we never know when Jesus is going to come back. He's going to come back as a thief in the night. But if you read the whole scripture, it says, but we won't be caught unawares. 
we're going to know, we're going to sense, ooh, it's close. I don't know when Jesus is coming back. I'm, how many books have I, how many people have told me, I think it was just, there was the last one just predicted Jesus was coming back or some great calamities. And these days just go by and these bozos keep predicting days when Jesus is coming back. Nobody knows. Even Jesus doesn't know. Why didn't the Father tell Jesus? Because we have the mind of Christ. If he tells Jesus, I'll know. So when he's ready, the Spirit of God will tell him. We will know maybe the season when he's coming back. For God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. Amen? Verse 12. For we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us by God. Oh, man. Yeah, the Holy Spirit, you ask God, just show me, Lord. I'm diligent. I'm hungry. I want to know. The Spirit of God will reveal it to me about a relationship, about a job, about whatever. Okay, now don't get silly like, what pair of shoes should I wear today? What color tie? Listen, you got a brain, but there's things that we just don't know, and we need to ask God about them. Amen? Let me kind of finish this up. This is probably going to be your review next time we do it. Now, if we read these verses, we find out that God has given us the ability to know the mind, will, and purpose of God. Who has God prepared for this benefit? What has God prepared? What has God prepared for my benefit? Benefit. If you're a salesperson, as I was a salesperson, you don't sell features. You sell benefits. Oh, it has this and it's this and this car does this and this. It's like, I don't care. What's a benefit? You listen. You listen for the need of your customer. I need to have good gas mileage. He could care less whether you have a keypad on the outside of the door to open the door. He wants good gas mileage. You listen, and now it's a benefit, and you have that benefit. Oh, by the way, this car gets 80 miles per gallon. Don't lie. <laughs> right? God gives us his benefits. Amen? So what's a benefit? Sickness and disease, is that a benefit to you? Well, I could learn something in sickness. Really? Tell me what you can learn in sickness. I can learn to trust God. Why can't you learn to trust God without getting sick? I had some guy say, well, I got in this horrible car wreck. I broke my neck and I lost my two legs. And God did that to me so I could get in the hospital, witness to the nurse. Why couldn't he just tell you, go to the hospital, witness to the nurse, and you can still have two legs? Man, I hate people. They make my father look like an idiot. Oh, and he's your father too. Hallelujah. Calamity benefit? No. This is contrary to the character and nature of God who's a blesser. Why would God ask you to do something that he did not do himself? We're to forgive, God forgives. We're to love, God loves. Why should we pray for the sick to be healed if some of the sick we're praying for were made sick by God? Think about it. When you come up for prayer, hmm, I'm not going to pray for you because God made you sick. I'll pray. Now, do you see that in Jesus' life? Why did Jesus go about healing Matthew for all who were sick and diseased if some of them were made sick and diseased by God? Why did God create your body to fight off sickness and disease? Let me tell you what's going on in my body right now. Antibodies are forming. They're converging on my lungs and in my sinuses. That's why your nose runs. Your, your body is responding. It's fighting. 
why do you stop bleeding when you cut yourself? Why are you guys still alive? For the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. You're, you're still alive. God created this. Let me tell you, I, I took a lot of studies in physiology and chemistry and, and organic because what the field, I was training physicians and, and pathologists how to diagnose the, the diseases that we had uh, uh, kits to, to use. And the body's incredible. I love when people say they don't understand the pH system in the body. You have, I don't know how many things that balance your pH, because your pH has to be spot on. If your pH goes slightly off, you're dead. Well, my, you know, I ate oranges, my body's a little acidic. No, it's, your body maintains the same pH. You may be peeing acidic because it's trying to get out of your body so you don't die. Anybody have fish tanks? You have fish tank? Change the pH in a fish tank, see what happens. They die because only certain things can take. Your body is a marvelous machine created by God. Why would God fight God? A house divided against itself is going to fall. Hmm. I'm probably going to have to stop here because i got several pages to go. And we, we're going to probably have to pick this up in a couple weeks. But I just want you to know this. God loves you. And it's his desire to give you the kingdom. What's the kingdom? How God operates. There's the kingdom of man, the kingdom of darkness, and the kingdom of God. God wants us to live in his kingdom. And in his kingdom is joy, peace, health, long life, peace. Does that mean we're always going to have it? No, because the enemy is always going to be fighting to take that away from you. He hates you. He hates you, and he wants you to live as a billboard showing that God's an idiot or God's a fool or God hates you or whatever. Why, listen, why would anybody want to worship God who's, who's, who's a psycho? And he's not. He loves you. He sent Jesus Christ to die for you, and he wants to bless you. You can know the mind, will, and purpose of God if you get in his book and you seek it as precious silver, precious gold. Amen? Every head, every eye closed. I always like to make this invitation. I kind of know everybody that's out here, but just in case. You can't go to heaven without Jesus. And you'll never know the mind, will, and purpose of God till you're saved. Because the Bible says this, Jesus speaking to Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a religious man. He knew his stuff, but he just didn't know God. And he said to Jesus, you've got to be a man of God because nobody could do the miracles you do except by God. And so basically, Jesus said, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, I thought that meant you can't go to heaven. That word see is the Greek word E-I-D-O-N. It means fully understand. Unless you are born again, you will never fully understand the word of God. There's Jehovah Witnesses out there, and people knock on you. They have no idea what the word of God says. They know the letter of the law. They don't know it. So if you're here today and say, I want to know the mind, will, and purpose of God. The only way that's going to happen is you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Have you received him in your heart? Do you realize that he died on the cross for you? And when he yelled, it is finished, he was actually saying paid in full. So if you're here today and you've never asked Jesus in your heart, we're going to say a prayer together. Let's say it. Father, I believe with all my heart that Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus, you died on the cross for me. You paid the price for my sin. The wrath of God, the punishment of God, reserved for me, 
was put on you. So I say thank you, Jesus. Today I receive you as my Savior, my Lord, and my King. Today I'm saved because of what Jesus has done.